Well, good afternoon. I'd like to welcome you to our Ingrid in the Word morning reflection. And I want to give you a little bit of an explanation as to why we weren't able to have a video yesterday and today's is in the afternoon rather than a morning reflection. Uh, my plan is throughout the rest of the week to do our Anchored in the Words as usual, uh, but this past week I had an issue with my laptop and uh, had to take it in to get it worked on. And so now I have the laptop back, it's up and working, <clears throat> and hopefully it stays that way, don't have any more issues. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed the passage of scripture that we're gonna deal with this week. And uh, if you were with us this past Sunday, you'll know that this is an excellent passage of scripture for us to think about as it relates to reflecting on the work of Christ. And uh, there's just a lot to unpackage, a lot of rich nuggets. And so I'm looking forward to sharing this with you throughout the week this week. Uh, the passage we're in is Psalm 34. We're looking at verses 11 through 22. So let's read it together, please. Here's what it says. Come ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days? that he may see good. Keep, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, they that hate the righteous shall, uh, they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none that trust in him shall be desolate. Now I want to deal with this uh, in several parts, obviously, but in, in order to kind of appreciate the parts that we'll look at this week, I think it's important to remember what we talked about, which would have been, I think, in September, uh, before our missions month, um, the, the first half of this psalm, because obviously it's, it's one unit, but it does split into two pieces. And so I think reminding ourselves of that and, and, and kind of introducing the psalm that way will be helpful. So first of all, I wanna give you kind of a summary statement of the psalm, and then we will look at some introductory thoughts. Psalm 34 teaches, that God often chooses to permit or allow trouble. He does this so that he can ultimately teach us his goodness, which is always and entirely rooted in the redemptive work of Christ. By the end of our study on the Psalm this week, what you're going to see is that the peace that is at the center of this Psalm is Christ's death on the cross and the significance of his death on the cross. And so as we look at it, I wanna make a couple of statements that you may not be aware of if you've never really studied this passage and pulled out a commentary that made this comment, or if you have the ability to read it in the original languages, um, you would know this as well. But Psalm 34 is an acrostic, and each of the sections, the stanzas, the lines of the psalm in the Hebrew text, uh, they begin with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And each of those letters is giving us the we could say the way that you work your way through the alphabet from A to Z in the Hebrew, if you want to use, not Aleph to, uh, to Z. But anyway, um, if you go through it that way, you will, um, you'll see that there's an acrostic. But there is an interruption in the acrostic, and the interruption is at the end of the psalm. The last little section repeats one of 
the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And this is significant because it's drawing our attention to it. And it's ultimately going to reveal um, in the structure of the psalm what I believe the heart of the Psalm 34 is. Uh, the second thing I want to say is how you divide the psalm into parts. And we did this by dealing with half of the psalm at another time. Psalm, psalm 34 verses 1 to 10 shows how God uses trouble to reveal his goodness. Then when we look at the second part, verses 11 to 22, what we're looking at this week, and we see that God uses trouble to invite his children to contrast the ultimate end of the righteous, his children, and the ultimate end of the wicked, those who reject the Messiah. That is really at the heart of the psalm. And we're also going to ask, well, what is the, the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous in their end? And it's one is redeemed and the other one is not redeemed. And it's what they do with Christ. The third thing I want to mention is how we broke down the psalm the last time we were here. Um, first of all, Psalm 34 is written at a point in David's life that's very, very discouraging. It's a prefix at the beginning of the psalm, and it says this way, a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away and departed. Now, David had some very low points in his life. This would be one of the lowest of the low. He's running from Saul, who's his father-in-law. And when he runs from Saul, he, st he stops in Nob. And there in Nob, he lies to the priest there. Because he lied to the priest, the priest uh, helped him on his journey, but didn't realize he was helping someone who was a fugitive. Ultimately, when Saul caught up with the priest there at Nob, he asked them a lot of questions and why they helped David, who was a fugitive from the law or from Saul himself. And what he ultimately did was he killed the high priest and all of the priests who were there in Nob, except for one person who ran and told David what had happened. Well, during the same time, David is fleeing to the land of the Philistines. These are the enemies of Israel. David killed Goliath, the, the, the hero of, um, of the, the, the Philistines. And they don't trust David. And so David realizes they don't trust him. And so what he does is he acts like he's a wild man uh, so that they won't kill him and so that he can escape. This is a really low point in David's life. He has the weight of his father-in-law trying to kill him. He has the dishonesty with the Philistines, the dishonesty that he had with the priests there at Nob. And David writes Psalm 34 with that being the setting. What it shows you is that whether it is trouble that we have brought upon ourselves or trouble that was brought on us from outside, God can use these things to accomplish good. It doesn't mean that he makes them good, but he uses them to accomplish good. The second thing that we saw as we were working our way through this first half of the psalm is that this experience of David being at this low point is going to lead to a godly resolve. It will be like a catalyst to David responding the right way. And in verses 1 and 2, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That statement comes directly out of what he's experiencing and how he encouraged himself in the Lord at this very difficult time. The third piece is that the way he responded to hardship was not something that only affected him. It affected others. And we see how he expresses it in verses 2 and 3. He says that the humble will hear and be glad and magnify the Lord. And so then he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. David is saying, hey, the way that I'm responding isn't just affecting me. It's affecting all the people around me. And I'm inviting them to experience with me 
the comfort and the strength and the uplifting of the Lord so that we can together exalt his name. Well, the last piece is that God allowed these hardships to give him a richer, fuller, more experiential sense of God's goodness. We know that God is good because the scripture says it. If we memorize scripture, we're memorizing God is good. If someone teaches us his word, we are, we are learning that God is good. But that, that, that head knowledge is not the same as an experiential knowledge. And the only way that we get an experiential knowledge is going through circumstances that stretch us and break us down and give us difficulty. And God uses those things to take the truths of scripture that we know in our heads and to help them to shape our experience. And so he says in verses four through 11, I sought the Lord, he heard me, he delivered me from all my fears. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusteth in him. David saying, I have tasted that the Lord is good. I have seen that the Lord is good. I have heard uh, trouble and I have experienced trouble and I cried out to God and he heard me and he delivered me. And so what I know with my head, I've experienced in life. Those are things that are important for us to keep in mind as we work our way into Psalm 34. They'll help us to appreciate the rest of the Psalm. And so I hope that this week you'll be able to join us as we work our way through Psalm 34. I hope that it is a rich experience. It's encouraging in the Lord. And ultimately, you will have a deeper appreciation for how God works and what is at the heart of what gives us comfort and hope in some of life's most difficult circumstances. Have a blessed day, Lord willing, tomorrow. The plan is that we'll meet in the morning and we'll go all the way through this passage of Scripture to the, to the end of the week. Have a blessed day. Bye now.